G'day, this is Dom Harvey from The Edge Breakfast Show, and you're listening to The Kiwi Running Show. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of The Kiwi Running Show. I'm Hamish Meacham, and joining me as always... Is Hayden Chairman and uh, twenty one episodes, Hayden. So big party today. We yeah, yeah, yeah. Do a yardie. We're, we're fully full on ad up oh, now. I love it. Like we're we're heading up to getting halfway through a year of doing this. I think yeah, we'll make good. we'll make a year and then we'll have to kind of review the situation <laughs> and see. But we were just talking off air before that the the audience we suspect is is pretty big like um this i i'll share a story a friend of mine uh Stu, is having a baby down in wellington and it was part of like a what do you call it yeah group, an yeah. antenatal group and it had all the parents and all the blokes went off yeah um and had some bloke talk while all the ladies went off and talked about lady stuff <laughs> that that we don't want to know about and uh he was saying within the group there was uh two or three guys who actually listened to the show and i'm like what? That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, so, that's brilliant. Yeah, I keep bumping into randoms who are like, hey, listen to the show. Yeah, oh, so wow, good. Cool. Like, we super appreciate you guys tuning in. We hope you're enjoying the show. Um, if you're not enjoying it or if you have any feedback, like, we do genuinely want to hear from you. We want to hear um, from you what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear more of, what you'd yeah. like to hear less of. So you can email us at... KRS at tempofit.org. Yeah. So and and that's so true because it, it's called the Kiwi Running Show. It's not called the Hamish and Hayden Show. So, <laughs> that's, a, that's got a nice ring to it, though. Yeah. I like that. So, yeah, it's it's your show, you know. Let us know what you want, want us to talk about. And yeah. if there's news we miss, like if there's a race we haven't covered... And it should be covered. Like, tell us. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. absolutely. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about the local scene later today. But we're mixing things up because we're gonna yeah. do the news later in the program. We've got a great interview. Yeah, which I'm really excited about. Are we gonna tell them about it? Uh, yeah, let, let's tell them about it. We haven't done it yet, so hopefully it's going to work because we've, we've had some <laughs> some time um, issues, some yeah. dateline. Um, Daylight savings, getting the wrong time thing going on. Yep. But yeah, we've got um, Nick Simmons coming on. Who's uh, he's not a Kiwi, but he's one of the um, the big superstars in in world middle middle distance running. Yeah, probably for the last decade. He's he's um, kind of been since uh, the mid two thousands the premier USA eight hundred meter runner. Yep. Picked up a silver at the World Championships in two thousand and thirteen, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Fifth in uh, London in 2012, one of the one of the greatest 800 meter races ever. So yeah. he's our and yeah. our super high profile athlete. So yeah, um, it's going to be great to have him on the show. Yeah, and, and a real yeah. character. Yeah, he's yeah. awesome. So really looking forward to hearing what he has to say. But um, yeah, yeah should be yeah, fantastic. Totally. So with training talk today, we've got the Auckland Marathon coming up this weekend, um, and obviously with Tempo Fit, we have. Oh man, we've probably got about seventy runners doing it in in total. Yeah. Um, and then our, in our A team, we've got about thirty five or so. Yeah. Um, but I know a lot of listeners will be either doing that or heading over to New York or mm. Las Vegas or Queenstown down, down Marathon. Down to Queenstown, yeah. yeah what, the, and Tarawera, all sorts of great races coming yeah, out. Yeah, so. yeah. There's a lot happening. Mm, so well, we we wanted to kind of talk about what to do on on race day and the day before to make sure that that race is really good. So last week we talked about taper. Hopefully you, you guys are tapering now and not trying to yeah. get out there for your um, 
warm up 30k run before yeah, it is too late if yeah. you have not done the right training it is too late to jam it in now yeah. so yeah today we're gonna um you know presume you've done a, a really good build-up and presume you're into a fantastic taper week and we're going to give you the top five race day tips um particularly focused at the marathon events and longer but yeah. equally applicable to a half marathon so so cue top five music yep we should come yeah. up with a top five track though you can do this hayden yeah you, I, you're good at this i'll see what i can come up with I'll, mm. I'll put some beats together nice All i right. like it i like it so number one and the top five race day tips and this one it's a bit misleading because it's not actually race day but prepare as much as possible the night before yeah or even the day before um before the uh, the shops close and it's too late to go and buy something. Mm. Um, so yeah, the key things that you need to do is lay out all the clothes you're going to wear. So it's socks, underwear, shorts, singlet, um, everything. Yeah. Um, you might be wearing a hat if it's sunny or if it's going to be cold, you might have some layers to, to wear over the top. So lay everything out. Um, what other stuff would you want to do? Um, charge your watch if you're a, if you're a Garmin user or even, uh, charge your phone. You don't want to run out of phone battery if you need to call someone for a lift or something like that. So charge up all of the electronic devices you're going to need. Yeah. Set your, set your alarm. Set two alarms. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Imagine if your alarm didn't go off and you missed the, like, (laughs) let's say the bus or the ferry to the start line. You know, it's not a scenario worth considering. It does. And it does. People do it every year. So set two alarms. Yeah. Maybe Um, even three. Yeah. Pin your number onto your shirt. Yeah. And so, you know, there's lots of things you can and should do the night before. The reason I really like to emphasize this is a lot of people suffer from um, excitement. Not you don't suffer, but a lot of people are really excited the night before. They'll go through their normal routine and then they'll go, oh, God, I've got this event. And and they'll have trouble getting to sleep. Yeah, they'll be a bit anxious. Yeah, often won't have a great night's sleep. And one of the things you can do to soothe that that anxiety or, or that excitement is to be as prepared as possible. Just do everything that you can reasonably do the night before, and then your mind will go, okay, all I have to do is get up, grab my stuff, and go. And, you know, that that will help you to kind of overcome that anxiety and get to sleep. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Number two is wake up early enough to have an appropriate breakfast for for your race. So my my go-to is always um, oats and banana um, and yogurt. Mine is always a... uh, uh, like a double McMuffin. Oh, nice. Yeah, from McDonald's. Really yeah. good. Yeah. Like, what, egg and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, but it's got to be a double. So the, uh, you can have a... There's like a combo meal you can get with one double McMuffin and then it's got a single bacon McMuffin <laughs> and you get a hot chocolate and a hash brown as well. You'd do that before a marathon. <laughs> yeah. Before a race. I wow. love it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so you could go that direction. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've also heard of just like some toast with jam on the yeah, top and that works yeah. pretty well, like a, a bagel. But it needs to be something that you've tried. Yeah. Like you've tried and tested. Yeah. So the two main points, timing. Um, so it's good to try and get in 
that breakfast two hours before the start. So in some yep. cases, that may mean getting up really, really yeah, early. Auckland marathons early. Mm. So yeah. get up, eat it, and then you know go back to bed and lie down for another half an hour because you've already got your stuff ready. Yeah. So um, you know get it in early and stick with what you know. So I don't recommend the 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 McMuffin for everybody. <laughs> um, I can do that because I I eat that a lot. <laughs> As anyone who's seen the shape of me will know, um, but for Hayden, you know, he eats a lot of oats and that that fancy yeah. fancy healthy stuff, <laughs> so he can get away with that. It would be a disaster for me to eat that because I never eat that healthy stuff. <laughs> Likewise, disaster for Hayden to try McMuffin. Yeah. You'd be you'd be on the toilet when the gun goes off. So stick with what you know. I think I would be. Yeah. Um, and speaking of toilet, um, the other thing I'd do before you head out the door is try and get out a sneaky little poo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, we need to have a poo episode. I've said this yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. It'll just, be coming. We should yeah. just go. Every runner we talk to, we should just ask them to share their best poo story. Yeah. And well, then... episode 22, that rhymes with poo. Oh, yeah, yeah, Poo-poo show. But I imagine like if Nick Willis, Hamish Carson, Angie Petty all gave their best running poo stories because we've mm. all got them. Yep. People don't talk about what it. What about the, the legends like Barry McGee and yeah, John yeah, Walker? Yeah. I'd like to hear John Walker's poo stories. I bet you he's yeah. dropped a few phantom poos <laughs> around South Auckland, <laughs> yeah. around back of shops in Manurewa, I don't know. You've got to anyway. do it, eh? Yep, yep. yep. Um, when nature calls. Yeah, so moving away from the poo and on to yep. um, more pertinent matters, dress for the weather. Yep, our third tip. So this is a big one because when you're running a race, so for most people this is half marathon marathon we're talking about, yep. um, you get quite warm when you're running, but when you're standing there at the start line and you've arrived in plenty of time to um, to make sure you don't miss the start, yep. you might be standing around in the cold, 6am in the morning, potential potentially rain. Um, so actually having some layers that you can wear and then remove um, yep. once the gun goes. So. I think this is huge. And you see this all the time at the start line. So people wearing the clothes they want to wear and usually they yeah. go one or two ways. So they dress relatively sensibly for the standing ground before and yeah. then run in that and oh, yeah. get way too hot. Um, like don't wear tights under your shorts. Oh god! Um, because <laughs> no, this this goes beyond race day tips. This this yeah. is just fashion advice. <laughs> anyone who wears shorts over the top of their tights, we need to have a word. Yeah, because that's just and also the full length skins, um, the skins compression top oh, uh, under your singlet because mm. you're gonna get really hot. Like yep. I've never been too cold in a race. We were talking about this before we mm. started. Um, you raced in the states, did cross yep. country over there, and you said you've never raced in more than a singlet and shorts. Never in my entire over twenty years of running have I ever raced in anything more than shorts and a singlet. Yeah, because it, unless you live in Iceland, it's just not going to be cold enough. Yeah. But, you know, the flip side of that is on the on the start line when you're standing around just shaking your legs about waiting for the gun to go off, that's not enough clothing to be standing around and doing yeah. nothing. So do take 
some some clothes beforehand and consider taking some throwaway clothes. Yeah. And so for me, I, I take a, a $5 T-shirt that I don't mind losing. Um, yeah. If it's raining, it might be a poncho, which, uh, you know, you can yep. pick those up from rubbish the $2 shop. Yeah. yeah, even a rubbish bag. Consider taking something that you don't mind losing. Yep. So it might even be a really stinky old uh, T-shirt that has stains on it or something. You know, take that and then just before the gun goes, you can take it off and, um, yeah, you know, either hand it to somebody or, or if you need to, just ditch it. I understand that a lot of the big races... The Salvation Army comes through afterwards and picks up a lot of that clothing. Yeah, yeah. Most races have a team that goes mm. through and picks up up all the discarded clothing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You you won't be littering if you do it. Yeah. Um. I remember this one race I did. I had a, a polypropylene thermal over the top, and I ran with it for the first few k. Um. And then I was trying to. Uh, there was a lead vehicle in front. I was trying to signal to them to take my top (laughs) so i was trying to catch up to the vehicle but they kept on speeding away yeah so i ended up having to chuck it Um, yeah a bit disappointed about that lost my top look uh, to to be fair the (laughs) only thing i slightly worry about with that advice is is the littering aspects so if you can you know throw it somewhere and then maybe go back and pick it up afterwards and and chuck it in a bin or even take it home and wash it but yeah 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 my bad left that somewhere on the dunedin harbour you are a terrible human being okay so number three was dressed for the weather number four get there earlier than you think you need to yeah there's a classic story of um our resident kenyan we had in wellington for a while yeah edwin kaitani and and he was i think he was in the toilets at the auckland half marathon yes and when the gun went and so he had to run through the entire field of the auckland half marathon which i don't know ten thousand people yeah yeah um and he still won the race Really, yeah. he was a great runner. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder how he's going back. Yeah, in he went to um at a, a state a country uh, college in the states. Oh, did somewhere. he? Yeah. I'll have to check him out. So for those anyway. who are like, what are they talking about? Way off topic. But there was a Kenyan who who moved to New Zealand. Did he come back with um? Yeah, Marty Van Barneveld. Yeah, um, yeah. Marty was doing some training in Kenya, and he's like, "Hey, come back to Wellington with yeah. me, and we can train together." And so Kip was here for about um, half a year. Did a lot of lot of racing. Was a real yeah. great addition to the local scene. But you know, visa issues, and ended up pursuing the the college thing in the states. So yeah. hope he's doing well. Anyway, so the moral of the story is arrive in more time than you need. And this yep. is especially true for the Auckland Marathon because mm. the ferry, the queues at the ferry from the city over to Devonport mm. get really, really long. And one time I turned up to the half marathon and literally had to sprint from the ferry terminal to the start line to make the start. Mm. Um, and so that's not an ideal warm-up. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, so definitely arrive earlier than you think. Um, and uh, something that I like to do is have that time so you can just chill. Um, like it's a really good thing if you're yawning on the start line of a marathon because it shows you're really relaxed and you're not, your body's not going through a sort of a a stress response already. So, um, find somewhere to chill out, sit on a park bench, talk to people, have a laugh. Yep. Try and stay as relaxed as possible. Yep. And number five, the most important of all race day tips, especially for people running a marathon and longer. Yeah. Don't forget the Vaseline. Absolutely. This is the the most important thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so And the nipple plasters. Yeah. Even if you've managed to get through your long runs of, of let's say thirty five K without any chafing and you've got a great pair of shorts that you think never chafe you, still wear Vaseline. Yeah, if it rains or you know the the humidity conditions can actually affect 
what happens in those chafing areas. So just double down and yeah. just smear yourself in <laughs> tons of Vaseline. You, it, it's never hurt anyone's performance um, except for if you put it on your feet, which <laughs> you I have done in the past and found didn't work that you well. You slid out of your shoes? Yeah, well, I used to race with um, no socks on and, ah. and I'd get chafing sometimes in the little bits of my shoes, so I'd put Vaseline on. One time I put too much Vaseline on my feet and my foot kind of was sliding oh, around. Oh, that's slippery. Yeah, that's but other than cool. that, go hard on the Vaseline, unless you're yeah. like Hayden, you use... I use baby oil. Yeah, that's yeah. weird. And so do you, you just lather I just, yourself I just up. like the consistency of it. Yeah, I, I like it because you can put it on your skin and it makes you look shiny. Yeah. Makes you look more speedy. Yeah, yeah, um, like a running model. You actually <laughs> are kind of a running model. I've seen you on the New Balance uh, posters recently. Yeah, so. I've, I've done a couple of a couple of little shoots here I'm, and there. I'm shaking my head. <laughs> Embarrassing. So, look, you know, in all seriousness, you know, you've done all of this hard work. So... Um, a lot of you will already know about these top five race day tips, but um, it's a good reminder. It's a good reminder. You deserve to go out and run your best because you've put in all this hard work. You've done yep. a fantastic taper and, um, you know, you'd hate for something to go wrong on the day. So yeah, absolutely. Best of luck to everyone running Auckland and, and Queenstown and Vegas and Tarawera and all these events. It's an exciting time of year. And um, we really look forward to catching up with some of the athletes who are doing these events afterwards and, and hearing how they went. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck, everyone. Yeah. So let's move on to our friend Nick Simmons. So on the phone with us from the States, we have six-time USA 800-meter champion, two-time Olympian. He came fifth at the famous 800-meter final in the 2012 London Olympics. He's a keen outdoorsman. Um, he's even been on a date with Paris Hilton. So, um, well, <laughs> welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, Nick guys, Simmons. thanks for having me. Um, yeah, sorry to drop that mention of Paris Hilton, but I was <laughs> chatting to my wife um, earlier about you coming on the show, and she's not a track and field geek like I am. And I was like, well, he's been on a date with Paris Hilton, and that's what really got her attention. Yeah, that, that, that makes you relevant yeah. uh, in some regards. Exactly. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, excellent. So, good, like, good stuff. Obviously, um, we're, it's great to link with you. We're all the way over here in New Zealand, and uh, you're you're all the way over there in the states. Um, we in New Zealand, we we run quite a different system. So we're obviously kind of a club community based um, country when it comes to running. And over in the states, so you're a full time professional athlete, and you started in high school and then ran in college. Can you? Tell us a little about how you got into the sport of running. Um, I'm guessing it was in high school or middle school? Yeah, it was uh, right at the end of middle school. It was eighth grade that I first went out for cross country. And I only did it because a girl I had a crush on asked me to. So, uh, you know, I got to shout, shout her out for dragging me out every day. But yeah, um, good work. is she still I, I running? Love, no, no, not anymore. But uh, we had a, we had a great time that summer training for it. And cool. uh, I didn't love cross country, but I, I did love going out and being outdoors and being with the team. And it wasn't until my sophomore year of high school that I actually ran my first track season. Wow. Wow. Um, that's awesome. And for you, like, what was, was there kind of immediate success? Like, were you one of those, those guys who are like, jump on the track and, wow, he's really, really fast? Or was it one of those things that took a little, little while? 
No, I was pretty good, and I think that's what kept me coming back to it. I, I didn't love running. I loved soccer. I loved ice hockey. I loved yeah. you know rock climbing. Uh, the idea of just running for fun sounded like torture to me, but <laughs> I, I was really good at it. And uh, at, at 14 or 15 years of age, um, I liked being good at something. I liked the respect that people showed me when I won a race. And that that's feeling of, of winning and that feeling of being successful at something is what kept me coming back. Uh, in those early years when I hadn't developed a love for training yet. Yeah, cool. Can we, um, we've got a lot of numbers geeks who listen to the show. So can we ask like what sort of times you were running, say when you, when you first got into it in your sophomore year? Yeah. Uh, 15 years of age. I think my PRs were 157 for 800 meters. Wow. Uh, 430 for 15, 1600 meters. Yeah. And what did I run? Maybe nine, 950 for the two mile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when I left high school, I was a 153 half miler. Yeah. Um, a 420 miler, and I'd run 935 for two miles. So wow. nothing crazy. That 800 was pretty good, but the other ones aren't, you know. Yeah. Not that, great. Uh, but that, that but I, I they, yeah, they, they used to be pretty good. Nowadays, you got kids breaking four every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's crazy because that kind of that's exactly the level of the usually the people who are at top of the game here in New Zealand in high school but mm. obviously over in over in the states the high school game is is incredibly serious it's competitive people, yeah, yeah people competing for scholarships and and really high profile national events so obviously you weren't um, one of the top 10 recruits in the country with those sort of times um, and you decided, Not even close, yeah. yeah you decided <laughs> to go to a, a non-scholarship university a division three so can you talk a little about that did you have options to go uh, to take up a scholarship and, and what was that decision well, process you know I'd, I'd, I'd been recruited by a few schools and talked talked to many but no one was offering scholarship for me and I said uh, well, if I've got to pay for my own university, then I'm going to go to the school that's going to get me where I want to go. And at the time, I was interested in becoming a doctor, and I yeah. wanted to go to the school that had the best biochemistry program that I could find. And that's a little tiny school here in Oregon called Willamette University. And they're not known for their running at all. In fact, <laughs> they had a horrible coach that ended up taking over my, my training at the time. But uh, I, I didn't go there to run. I went there to, to have a great college experience. I wanted the true college experience. I was in a fraternity. I had a part-time job. I ran a little bit. I studied a lot. And, uh, and it was it was great. But I never, ever thought I'd go on to run professionally. I was just kind of, you know, studying to be a doctor. And yeah. it wasn't until my my senior year where I realized that, you know, the real world was only nine months away and I needed to either get really good at medicine or I needed to get really good at running. <laughs> at, 21, at 21 years of age, I, I decided to double down on, on the running bet and and just really focus on, on training and see how good I could get to see if I could, uh, you know, become a professional runner. Yeah. I mean, from what I know, you got down to about 145 for the 800 at college. Right after I graduated, I ran 145 at the U.S. Championships and took second there. And that's really what wow. launched my pro career. I had, you know, several offers from shoe companies uh, after running that. Yeah. And what was the difference that you made to your training? I think people would be really interested who do have that motivation to take their running to the next level. Like, What, what changed oh, sure. for you? Yeah. Well, for me, it was really just about reprioritizing the things that were important to me. And I'd always been yeah. a student athlete. I had about a 3.6 or 3.7 GPA and was really focused on medicine. But, you know, it was only running maybe 40, 50 miles a week. Yeah. Um, and going into my senior year, I said, 
you know, I need to reprioritize these things. And I made running my number one priority and became a, an athlete student. And I moved to Mexico. I actually moved to Toluca, Mexico for wow. 10 weeks, yeah. uh, 9,000 9, feet of elevation. And, and I shed 20 pounds of weight and came Whoa. down and dropped three seconds off my 800 meter PR. And it was really what launched my career. But, you know, my, my GPA slipped. I went from a from a three, six student to a two, four student. You know, I, wow. I always knew I could come back and take those classes again if I needed to. Yeah. Uh, but what I wanted to see was, could I run a one forty five and get a pro deal? And that's what ended up happening. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Very cool. Um, and then you went on to, um, get into an Olympic games squad. So tell us about that first moment when you crossed the, the finish line at, at USA Olympic trials and found yourself on an Olympic team. Yeah, I mean, to this date, I've run, gosh, over a thousand races, but that one's still the most memorable. Yeah. You know, I think certainly here in the States, but really worldwide, there's kind of two camps of athletes. There's those that have made an Olympic team and those that haven't. And so to punch my ticket onto that first Olympic team in 2008, uh, and that'll always be the most meaningful race, I think, of my career. Yeah, and that's a great race as well. I was telling Hayden off here that that he needs to go and and check out the YouTube footage of that <laughs> event because that, that Oregon sweep. Yeah, I watched that live. I was living in the States, and, um, yeah, the people I was watching it with, we, we all just went crazy. Uh, it was, yeah, an amazing wild race. night for sure. Yeah, 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 excellent. And yeah. so, you know, you made the Olympics in 2008, but still, you know, in terms of your development as an athlete and, and taking the sport as really seriously as your number one priority, it was still early days. So how was that 2008 Olympic Beijing experience? I mean, it was mostly just overwhelming. And I think anyone who's made multiple Olympic teams could say that the first one is, it's it's just totally emotional and overwhelming and you don't know what to expect. Um, I went in there just kind of, you know, I mean, I was in the, in the same apartment building as Michael Phelps and I, I knew yeah. who he was and what he was about to do. And, you know, you're seeing all of these celebrities walking through the village and it's just, it's all just a lot. It's It's amazing, but it's not exactly the kind of environment you'd want to be in, you know, to perform at the highest level. And, and so I, I went there and I made the semifinals and didn't make the finals and I felt pretty disappointed, but I also knew, you know, that I would probably be much, much more prepared four years later. And I was in 2012 when I, uh, made that Olympic team and ultimately made the finals. Yeah, absolutely. And we have to talk about that, that final, because that, it really does go down as one of the, the greatest track races in history, really. Um, what were you thinking when you saw Radisha uh, fly off the front um, on world record pace? Well, it's really exactly what we expected. I said, you know, I'm going to yeah. pull a Dave Waddle. You know, Dave Waddle, they yeah. thought he was injured. He was so far off the pace in 72, and he ended up winning the gold. And I said to myself, I didn't say to myself, I talked to my coach about the strategy, and we said, you know, Radisha's going to go out and he's going to run a world record. And everyone's going to try to go with him. And everyone is going to die a terrible death the last 100 meters, except me. I will be the one that runs smart. I run a plus two-second differential. I won't beat Rudisha, but I'll finish second and have a silver medal around my neck. That's really what we thought was going to happen. Awesome. Uh, But but no one died. Good plan. Yeah. Yeah. It was a perfect plan. It was a great race strategy. I executed my strategy perfectly. I ran a plus two-second differential to almost the hundredth of a second. Uh, 142.95. My coach said I was in 143.00 shape. So I yeah. even found an extra five hundredth of hundredths of a second, 
but it just wasn't wow. good enough for a medal. I would have won a medal in every single other Olympic game at that point, <laughs> yeah. except yeah. except London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's well, so true. And you know, that's it's, fifth is still a great performance, but fast forwarding, you know, to the next year, two thousand and thirteen, and in Moscow, you did pick up a major medal. You got second, and so was that. You know, was that just a replay, the same tactics with a better result? or how No, that- it, was a, it was a much different race. I mean, all three Olympic medalists were out with injury. And so really that, that season, as I, as I saw the medalists out with injury, I thought, I thought this is a unique opportunity that doesn't come around very often where you have the, the defending Olympic gold medalist world record holder out and the silver medalist and the bronze medalist. You know, it was wide open. Every yeah. single person that was in the Moscow final had never won a medal. So you knew wow. that the top three medalists you know the top three that won medals were all going to be newly minted medalists and and i just knew this was my gosh fourth or fifth final i can't even keep count um i knew that i had to take advantage of that opportunity and i raced you know maybe more aggressively than i have in the past and was actually in second place at the bell and uh, and it ended up paying off you know i ended up uh running 143.5 i think for silver medal wow yeah awesome and on the on that note of tactics, like you you usually sit towards the back in that first lap, and then really look to own that last three or four hundred meters. Is is that something that you just find from your own physiology? That's where your strength lies, or is it more of a mental thing that you prefer to no, play? No, I mean, that way? I, I if I could, I'd be a front runner. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I would I love the idea of going out front and not having to deal with people's you know, kicking me in the shins yeah, and elbowing yeah. me for 700, 800 meters. But that, you know, I think that physiologically, if you watch the fastest 800s that have ever been run, whether it's David Rudisha or, um, you know, Cruz or, uh, with Kip Keeter, all of the great 800 meter runners have all run a plus two second differential. And even in my own great 800 races, I've always aimed to run a plus two second differential. So in London, for example, I went out in 50 seconds and I came back in 52 seconds. Yeah. Rudisha went out in 49 seconds and he came back in 51 seconds. It's just most human bodies want to run a plus two second differential to run as fast as possible. Now we've got some crazy athletes out there that seem to think that running a plus four or plus five (laughs) or even plus six or seven differential is the way to go. Um, I just, whether I'm racing, you know, um, some no names that I can, you know, toy with and and run from the gun or whether I'm racing David Rudisha, my race is the same. I'm Mm. trying to run as fast as I can. I'm trying to run a plus two second differential and some races that puts me in the front like it did in Moscow. In other races, it puts me in dead last like it did in London. I'm just I'm running within myself, running my own race. And again, these these one trick ponies that go out in 49 seconds and come back in 57 seconds. That's just not proper racing. Not <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tactics. It's it's Someone not. Needs to thump them over the head. No, they're hard to race against. Like, um, and it's annoying. It's super yeah, annoying. Yeah. In my way. I, <laughs> I was um, I was runner up at the national junior champs here in New Zealand all the way back in 1999, and and I went and ran at Lamar University down in Texas, and I only ever got to run one eight hundred in the states. My coach was like, no, 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 and then he, I finally talked him into letting me run an eight hundred. And I went up against a bunch of guys from like Prairie View and Texas Southern, yeah. like the African American colleges. And my yep. my four hundred PB was fifty two, and they went out in in fifty one. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, that was the last eight hundred I ever ran. Well, and just... I do. I think I think there are there are exceptional cases, and then you know, like I like to talk about Dwayne Solomon because he and I have yeah. had such oh, a yeah. fantastic rivalry. Yeah. And Dwayne is a he's a sprint based guy, and 
and honestly, his physiology might dictate that a plus three and on the very, very, very outside, a plus four different second differential may sure, be the yeah. best way for him to run. But mm. I do, I know what you're saying and I go to NCAAs every year and I see people going out in 50 seconds and coming back <laughs> in 57 seconds. And I just shake my head and I'm like, that's just not the way to run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, I, I can definitely look at a few twelve-second uh, <laughs> differentials in my career. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's another story. Um, <laughs> and and so this year you were you were injured, so um, unfortunately missed out on another attempt to make a, another Olympic team. Um, but you've had a few other things going on in the background with um, some entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, so tell us a bit about RunGum and how it got started. Yeah, well, I, I like to stay busy. I've got a lot of interest and, in, you know, entrepreneurial business is something that's been important to me from a very early age. Yeah. Uh, you know, at, at 22, I signed a pro deal. But if you look at most shoe deals, they have reduction clauses that say if you fail to meddle here or if you fail to to run this time, then we can cut your contract. And yeah, it's wow. a terrifying existence knowing that you might not be able to pay your bills if you don't hit a certain time. And yeah. so my coach and I, we, we took things into our own hand, you know, when I was about 24, 25, and we started uh, creating businesses so that I had another source of income. And our latest business is run gum. In 2014, I got injured and had nothing but time on my hands as I couldn't compete the entire summer season. Yeah. And so we started a product that we'd always wanted to bring to market. I had been drinking energy drinks to get the the, the performance enhancing stimulants that they contain, yep. but they were terrible on my stomach. I mean, just, yeah. <laughs> you know, after a workout or a race, I'm sitting there throwing up sugary, acidic energy yeah, drinks. Yeah. Yeah. And it's horrible. I'm like, why, why am I drinking something? I literally just want the energy. I'm not thirsty. And so we took everything that's in an energy drink and put it into two pieces of chewing gum. And the gum is oh. the delivery vehicle. It allows me to absorb caffeine, taurine, and B vitamins wow. without swallowing anything and having a bunch of stuff sloshing around in my stomach. So I get the performance enhancement without all the added weight and sugar and calories. And it's yeah. called Run Gum. We sell it in a pack of two pieces that contains 100 milligrams of caffeine, which is very similar to an energy drink or a cup of coffee. Yeah, uh, you chew it for uh, about five to ten minutes, and then you take off, and you have a you know this great euphoric, energetic, focused feeling. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. yeah. Uh, uh, it sounds like a really cool idea. And I remember the first time someone told me about caffeine, um, and I took like five um, no dose mm. sleeping. Oh no! Um, yeah, <laughs> and this was an afternoon race, and I, I'm yeah. pretty sure I didn't sleep for the next thirty six hours. <laughs> no, it's, I mean caffeine. Caffeine people joke about because they're familiar with it in coffee, but it's a really powerful drug if it's yeah. used right. Yeah, and, and we have science that backs you know backs our claims up. If if you use the right amount of milligrams per kilo. Uh, it can have the, as much as a 3% increase yeah. in performance in endurance athletics. And people might be saying, well, 3%, that's not that much. Well, you know, in an 800, that's about 100 seconds long. We're talking three full seconds. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane yeah. what 3% can mean. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. And um, as, as evidence of its performance-enhancing effect, it, it used to actually be a banned substance. And so yeah, back, absolutely. back in the dark ages, I, I remember before, before conference, I'd have it in my spike bag and kind of sneakily put it in my mouth and down it with some water, <laughs> hoping no one saw me taking these caffeine tablets. But um, Well, now I, for, for professional athletics, they've all realized, hey, everyone's going to do it. They're going to drink coffee. I saw a study that said uh, 85 to 90% of athletes at the most recent Olympic Games were utilizing caffeine in one way or another. Wow. We, yeah. had, we had Olympic athletes winning medals 
in races while they were chewing run gum. I'm not awesome. joking. I mean, oh, wow. Very it was cool. really cool to see the, the amount of track and field pros utilizing our product yeah. uh, at the Olympic games. And, and what would you recommend? Like, would you, would you take a, um, a run gum like just before an event or is it, um, when do you want that hit of caffeine? Well, everyone's a little bit different, you know, in their absorption yeah. rates and, and the, the rates that their bodies process caffeine. Um, I like to chew, you know, two pieces, so 100 milligrams of caffeine about, uh, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes before I run. Cool. You know, yeah. you'll feel it. I, you'll feel it real quickly because you, you absorb it so fast sublingually. Uh, and then I go, I spit it out. I go for my workout. And uh, if I'm feeling really low afterwards, you know, just totally drained from the workout, I might chew another pack because caffeine has uh, recovery, re- rejuvenating properties as well as a vasodilator caffeine uh, allows you to pump more blood uh, to, to sore muscles. So oh, wow. I think that uh, it, it's, it's a great product for both, you know, preparing your mind and body to go work out optimally and also for recovery. Yeah. And so now you've got all us Kiwis really interested in RunGum. So yeah. how, how can we find out more about the product? Well, you can go to RunGum.com and, uh, and you can learn about us there. I'm not sure if Amazon does international shipping yet, but I will say this. Yeah, they do. We are very, very close to doing a deal with a distributor that will allow us to do international shipping. So uh, for all you you overseas listeners, I would encourage you to follow us on social, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at RunGum. And the day that that deal is done, the day that we're able to do international uh, fulfillment, we will let everybody know. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it should be in the should be in just the next few weeks. Option two is just skip the U.S. indoor season and come out here to New Zealand. Oh, I've always wanted to. Oh, man, we would love to have you. And we understand um, that that now, you know, you're kind of got that mix of athlete slash entrepreneur but you've talked about maybe this is your last season so mm-hmm. that in itself is exciting knowing that that this is the last go round. what are your what are you thinking heading into your last season what sort of goals do you have and what do you want to tick off your bucket list yeah you know it's it was tough after 2016 i kind of had this two or three month period where I'm like, you know what? Running was great. I did it for a decade. You know, I'm always going to be grateful for everything that I got out of running, but I'm an entrepreneur and I need to go focus on my business now. And that's kind of where I was all summer. Uh, and it, it was only recently as I, I felt the itch to start training that I thought, you know, I'm not quite done yet. I think I have a few more great races left in me. Okay. And, and that would be 2017, you know, and trying to make one more world team for the, for team USA and going out to London and racing at world's, yeah. Uh, I just I, I don't know. I, I, I think if I can get to USA's healthy, I've made every single world team I've ever tried out for. And and at this point at 33, I, I don't know if I can do it, but there's only one way to find out. So uh, I'll know in the next few weeks uh, if I have the corporate support I needed to get it done. Um, it looks like it looks like I'm going to be with Brooks running for one more year. And, and they've they've got they've had my back, you know, since day one. So yeah. uh, if they want me, if they want to help me out and, and uh, they believe in me, which I, I think that they do. And I'm going to do everything I can to get on that world team. Yeah, awesome. and we've got to give kudos to to Brooks. They're a they're a running shoe company that's kind of doing it right. And and one thing, as much as you've been in the headlines for your athletics performances over the past couple of years, you've been a vocal advocate for for athletes' rights. Um, and you, you mentioned earlier about the contract stuff. Do you want to? A lot. The average runner won't know much about, you know, Rule Forty One and some of the ridiculous um, constrictions that athletes face. Um, do you want to talk a little about that? 
Yeah, a little bit. Uh, you know, it's, the big thing is that when an athlete goes and competes, the only real time that they, they're in the light is when they're on the track. And yeah, yeah. For the most part, when an athlete's on the track, all of the advertising space on their bodies, whether it's their skin or their, you know, their singlet or their shorts, it's all been confiscated by the governing bodies. And yeah. it makes it almost impossible for a pro athlete to, to, sponsor, to get sponsors or to market themselves. You know, I'm, I'm really fortunate that Brooks Running makes shoes and wants me to wear their shoes. But if an athlete says, you know, hey, Run Gum, I love your product. Will you sponsor me? I say to them, well, where will I get my return? Because you can't wear my jersey in competition. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. so it, it, there are there are thousands and thousands of companies out there that want to sponsor professional track and field athletes, but we have to have a way to link our logo, our brand to that athlete, or there's no return. And so everything that I've been doing for the last ten, well, five to ten years has been trying to open up those revenue channels for athletes. Awesome. And yeah. and now I'm being wronged on both sides of the coin. As an athlete, if I go and approach uh, a sponsor, they say, well, where can you wear our logo on you in competition? And in most competitions, I can't wear their logo. Yeah. Uh, and as, a, as, a, as a, a business owner, I want to go out and sponsor these athletes that love Run Gum, but there, there's, no, there's no ROI for me. So it's like... It, it's, yeah, it's literally yeah, one of these things both where sides of it. Run, running is a semi-professional sport. It is not even close to a professional sport in that sense. We we're still trying to shrug off our amateur status, you know, from from yeah. the previous hundred yep. years of being intricately linked to the IOC, um, and and we're fighting hard for it. You know, my company Run Gum is involved in a in a pretty public lawsuit with USATF and USOC, our own governing bodies saying that they're violating antitrust law here in the States. And I, I really believe that they are. Yeah, mm. yeah, uh, absolutely. And when we look at other sports like like the footballs of the world and basketball and the money that's sort of floating around um, in those sports for athletes and um, runners are working their backsides off and, you know, often struggling to struggling to get by so well done for for Thank leading, the, yeah, leading and the, the way and the argument the argument everyone says is well track and field's just not as popular as football oh, or baseball oh, oh. and i'm like well that's fine but there's still billions of dollars exchanging hands in track and field yeah. four billion dollars exchanged hands in rio and zero of those dollars went directly to the athletes yeah how absurd is that yeah, yeah. and yeah. and the world stops to watch things like the 100 Absolutely. meter final in rio and the fifteen hundred meters, and it, so yeah, whether yeah. whether you're uh, you know whether you're a no name fencer or whether you're Usain Bolt, you make the exact same amount of money directly from the IOC, yeah. zero dollars. <laughs> yeah. And I and I'm not saying that those two people need to be paid the same amount, but I am saying if four billion dollars are exchanging hands, you better make sure you're paying the athletes that are making sure you have a product out. Yeah, market in the yeah. Market. yeah, and oh, and we've stuff. got Usain Bolt all the way through to you know here in New Zealand we've got athletes on unemployment benefits receiving no government yeah. funding just putting their well, lives in, on hold. Of course, of course, yeah. and here in the states where we call ourselves professionals, you know, fifty percent of professional track and field athletes live below the poverty line, yeah. and we don't get government <laughs> support. You know, we don't have car, a carding system or anything. Yeah. we are one hundred percent dependent on corporate sponsorship. And and we can't raise funds because ninety nine point nine percent of 
corporations aren't going to sponsor us with without being able to put their logo somewhere on. Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, um, man, all the best for uh, for driving that, and I hope uh, you get a lot of support from your fellow athletes because you definitely need to get some change in the sport. Um, but yeah, thanks again for joining the show, and and we're wishing you all the best for twenty seventeen. Hope you um you can repeat that um that London twenty twelve performance, getting to the the world champs final, and maybe going a few places even better than that. <laughs> Fingers um, crossed. Would be awesome. Excellent. Well, thanks very much for your time, Nick, and uh, we we look forward to keeping up with your progress. If anyone wants to follow your progress as an athlete, what where are you at on social media? How can people link in and follow you yeah great question i'm pretty active uh, on twitter and instagram and my tag is just at nick simmons and we are back from an amazing interview with nick simmons um we haven't done it yet so hopefully it is amazing and hopefully it is there because we're yeah we're struggling we, with we with have the... a bad record with these interviews there's the Dick Quacks incident where you deleted an interview with yep. world record holder and Olympic silver medalist Dick Quacks. Yep. That was a shocker. Um, it was. We've, it took about six weeks to get Mal Law on Skype. Yeah, it did. You did that one. Yep. Uh, Are you keeping a record of all my wrongs here? Yeah, I am. <laughs> it's when it comes time for yeah, my... You've, you've pulled up a Word document. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it comes time for my remuneration review, yeah, yeah. I'm looking for a 100% increase on the $0.00 and 0 cents that I get. No, no, no. So, look, um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be a great interview. And yeah. as are all of your interviews, Hayden. Really, oh, thank you. Top thank notch. Top notch. So, look, um, local kind of results news it's a pretty quiet weekend um a lot of the heavy hitters in the athletics new zealand scene weren't racing this weekend and there's yep. a reason for that yeah everyone's keeping their powder dry for auckland marathon yep yep, yep. and the big one and then well that is the big one and then uh the other reason all of the guys and girls particularly those focused on the track were at a uh, athletics new zealand distance training camp uh, yeah down in hamner so Really exciting stuff. They had a a four-day training camp in Hamner, which I believe is down somewhere in the South Island. Yeah, northwest of of Christchurch. Yeah, and kind of in the hills, a little bit of altitude. Is that correct? I don't know how high it would be. It wouldn't be much more than sort of 400 metres high. Okay, so not not really. You could could go up from there. Yeah, but but a nice training environment. So, yeah, anyway, 40 of New Zealand's top young distance runners were gathered together by the Athletics New Zealand's um, high performance department. Um, And so all all of those people got to train together over a long weekend and have some information sharing. Our good friend Hamish Carson was there, um, handing out or, or kind of giving some informal advice to the young athletes. Um, Dick Quacks um, was there for the weekend as well. So really fantastic um, initiative by Athletics New Zealand to bring together the top athletes um, and, and get them training together prior to a track season. So exciting stuff. And I'm really confident that this is going to have benefits this track season. People people will go into it more motivated yeah. and um you know, rubbing shoulders with people like Hamish Carson um, and learning how they got to where they are 
is of a huge benefit. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And and so there's more of that to come. There's a residential camp in Lower Hutt that's going to be happening in yeah. the next couple of months. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's sort of just a base. I think it's starting kind of mid December. I want to say, or yeah, something like that, running yeah. right through to the end of January. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and so for those of you at the pointy end of the sport, um, you know, who who are hoping to put up those elite performances it's definitely something to check out being organized by Stephen willis and maria hassan who are the leads um in the distance running community here in new zealand so good stuff athletics new zealand for supporting that yeah really awesome um and then we had the xterra trail challenge um, yeah at the weekend which is a really cool run through the gorge there in Waihi, um through to towards paida um through the karanga happy Haki Gorge? Yeah, 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 one of those ones. Yeah. Karanga Haki. Yeah. yeah. And so absolutely fantastic event, a really strong turnout. And um, part of the reason behind that strong turnout is because the people at Total Sport do a great job of running these events. Yeah. But um, the Xterra Trail challenged several distances, so an 8.2, a 13K. But the main one, the main events were the 20.5K and the 43.5K, so kind of random distances, but... It's off-road, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. Over 20.5K, John Mearing won the men's event in 134.23. Nice. Um, and a name familiar to many listeners, Ruby Muir, won the women's event in 149.27. So Ruby cool. is a former winner of the Tarawera Ultra, really high-profile um, off-road ultra-distance runner. What about that 43.5, Hayden? Yeah, so we had Martin Kern come through with the win in 4.13 and then 5 hours 30 for uh, first place in the ladies was Sarah Murphy. Excellent. So, so it, yeah. It must be quite a tough course because they're, um, they're quite, I don't want to say slow times, but large times for basically a, a marathon. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I think and what I'm looking at, like the 20.5, those times stack up. You know, that it must be tough, but not super tough. Yeah. The 43, wow, that must have had some really tough sections because those... That's a long time to be out there on your feet. Yeah. But... So well done, everyone who participated in that event. Um, down in Cromwell, they had their annual half marathon, which is a, a pretty cool little event. The winner on the men's side, Glenn Ferguson, 123.24. And uh, on the women's side, uh, Emma Perron, 126.27. So uh, good running, particularly by Emma. That's not too shabby a time down at the Cromwell half marathon. And so... Yeah. Like we said, pretty quiet week uh, nationally. Track season has kicked off, um, but because of that uh, distance running camp, some great field performances, but uh, the distance running is, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to some good results yeah, um, yeah. at national secondary schools and later on in the season. Absolutely. And a little bit of extra news from Auckland. I had one of my runners... Um, Christine Adamson and mm-hmm. get this she is um, she hopefully she won't mind me saying on uh, w- on a worldwide podcast yeah. but she's just turned 60 yeah. um, and get wow. this she she broke the Auckland 5k record 5000 meter record for 60 year olds yep um, and she ran 20 minutes 50 seconds wow. for 60 year old that's awesome. It's pretty impressive, eh? That's very impressive. Um, and she hasn't even started her build-up. She's training for um, World Masters Games. So Obviously, yeah. She, yeah, so she's still a long way from her peak. Yeah. Um, so she's going to be targeting 1,500 as yep. well. Um, and she's got wheels. Like, like seriously, 
um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so does she have a long background in the sport? Like no, she no, no. She's got a so background this, in tennis. This so. is often the way with masters runners yeah. is they can come into the sport late and and enjoy some quite yep. good success. And and I yeah. find if they've got a background in another sport like like tennis, where you've maintained that power and speed. Mm. Um, I've seen others, uh, I've heard of a guy in Australia who is a former um, downhill skier um, yep. and he's in his 50s running um, like low 15 wow. minutes, even under 15 minutes, 5k. Wow. So yeah, um, so yeah, definitely if, if you can avoid burning yourself out yeah, uh, um, and yeah. then crossing into, well, into and, running. And this is interesting. When I first started running, a lot of the old guys knocking around Harry, so I say old guys probably who were my age, yeah. so in their 30s and 40s, they were former rugby players. Oh, yeah. And so it used to be really common yeah. back in the day to play rugby till, basically play rugby until you got married and yeah. then rugby didn't really work out with the family <laughs> yeah. lifestyle. And so it was really common back in the 80s, particularly in the running boom days, to switch from rugby to harrier running. Yeah. Family-friendly sport. You can take the kids along. They compete on the same day as you in the same event. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there were quite uh, a few really good uh, runners who were former rugby players, like yeah. even guys who got down under 2.30 for the marathon, wow. which you don't really see that as much nowadays. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And and speaking of that, you've just done a weekend with um, a bunch oh, of athletes yeah. who have just come into the world of track and field. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so obviously for those who don't know, I work with uh, I work for Parafield Auckland. So we're yeah. the regional body that sits underneath Paralympics New Zealand. So our job is to support the grassroots competitors um, in Paralympic sports. Yeah. Um, we haven't done much in athletics previously. The The notion has been athletics is an inclusive sport, so anyone should be able to go down to any athletics club oh, okay, and, sure. and join in. Yeah. Uh, great idea, but it hasn't really worked in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, yeah. We're thinking that people with a physical disability just aren't comfortable going down and making that first step yeah so we yeah i imagine if i was visually impaired and went down yeah. to try out the javelin i'd want a bit of guidance just to yeah. make sure you're throwing it the right direction yeah yeah like and you do you often but, just need a bit of help and a bit of support and so yeah. we've stepped in and and we are providing that so on sunday we launched the the parafit auckland athletics training squad so oh, we had awesome. yeah 18 yeah. athletes and varying in age from 11 all the way through to um, I think there was, you know, the, yeah, some older gentlemen as well. Cool. I, won't, I won't try and guess at their <laughs> yeah. age. But yeah, so all first-time athletes um, except cool. for one young lady who runs for Bays. But yeah. so of those 18, they're all committed um, and wanting to train, you know, kind of four or five times a week for wow. athletics. Awesome. So this is this is huge for and the what, sport in New what Zealand. what events? Like a huge range of events running so as well yeah, as field and... keegan who i coach is a, is going to be a middle distance runner yep. we've got a couple of wheel blacks who play so they play wheelchair rugby yeah literally two of the best wheelchair rugby players in the world are interested in doing the throws wow so specifically cool. the shot put discus javelin yeah um, nice we've got some younger athletes who are keen on some wheelchair racing which is you know, so oh, that'd be a fun sport. Yeah, eh? well, yeah. I've got some wheelchairs in the back of the van. If oh, you wanna, serious? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> oh, we, wow. can, we can try that <laughs> another time. Yeah, so, yeah, like a wide range of events. To be honest, we're going to struggle to to cater for everyone with coaching um, ourselves. So we're linking in with the Bays Athletics Club. Yeah. Um, over on the North Shore, and then the Owairaka Athletics Club, uh, down in Mount Roskill. So one club kind of in the south, and one up in the north. 
Yeah. And so the idea is that people in the squad will join one of those two clubs, link with a community coach, and then we'll provide whatever additional support they need. Um, we're going to be traveling around a bit, doing a few cool. meets around New Zealand. So got lots of work to do because they're like, like we said, they're, they're all basically first time athletes, but we're, yeah. we're looking to go from zero to a hundred pretty quickly. Oh, awesome. So, oh, that's great. Yeah. And like, are there other parafed organizations around New Zealand doing yeah. similar things? Uh, or? Yeah. They're mostly, you know, we're all independent. So we all do our own things. A lot yeah. of them are working with, much younger athletes yeah we specifically have partnered with paralympics new zealand and athletics new zealand and we're we're selling the paralympic dream so within within the paralympic world it has happened before that people have taken up a sport and then four years later been at the paralympic games wow so we're not saying that's yeah likely to happen for everyone but i think within the squad we're working with i think there are people who will be at the tokyo Tokyo. paralympic games Wow, that's like, really I'm cool. actually pretty confident of that happening. So yeah. we're specifically working with athletes, you know, the youngest is 11. But if you're 12 now, you're going to be 16 at Tokyo. Yeah. And uh, Anna Grimaldi, our long jump champion, was 16 at Rio. So, yeah, yeah. you know, unashamedly, we're, we're, we're looking at that level. Yeah. Um, we do hope to do more in the future with, with the younger ones, but we've got we to gotta start somewhere. So we're going yeah. to start here. I think that's so exciting because if you grow up with a physical challenge, physical disability, mm. like the whole life, your whole life, you might not have had people saying it, but you've this is sort of undercurrent, like, oh, I'm not going to be that person yeah. on the wheat bix packet. Or, yeah. Um, there, yeah. There is, yeah. And the whole system within athletics, the classification system, works really well. So you compete against people who have similar abilities to you. There's a, there's a girl who was at the squad training on Sunday who... She's actually um, had to be pulled out of school in the last week because of anxiety issues because yeah. she feels that she's not as good as her classmates. She's, you know, she's just not as good academically. She can't do PE. She can't catch a ball. She can't throw a ball. We did some some assessment with her on the weekend. Yeah. She's actually amazing. Wow. For where I think she's going to fall within her classification, she's got a really good shot of being like a a pretty fantastic athlete awesome um and so it's the first time for her in a long time where she's been in an environment where she's actually you know she can stand up and go i'm good you know this is what i do and she'll be able to take that back to her school environment and self-identify as an athlete rather than self-identifying as you know the kid who can't catch the ball and yeah so and it's all about getting some wins on the board eh? yeah definitely definitely and look all young people struggle with confidence issues exactly um so you know just think back to your teenage years and uh, Mm. i know for me you know i definitely felt like i didn't fit in and i wasn't wasn't as cool as all the other kids yeah um and that's common that's pretty much everyone so yeah take that feeling and then imagine you have a physical impairment Mm. and and you know how that feels for most of these kids it's not a problem they're absolutely just exceptional young human beings so it's a cool part of my job being able to to, you can tell i'm a bit enthusiastic yeah yeah i love it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, we're definitely picking up that passion so yeah it's so cool well um i'd encourage everyone around the country to 
you know, to encourage those people around you who maybe have those um, physical challenges in their life to um, to to look at athletics as a sport because it it really is um, a great option, um, and for everyone, you know, we all have our own challenges, and so um, most of the people listening are um, battling those challenges through running. So well done, everyone. Um, that's about it for the show. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. Yeah, awesome to have you. And you know, really reiterate once again, we're doing this show for you. So please uh, do hit us up if you've got any feedback. We love talking about all aspects of the sport, whether it's the elite stuff, whether it's the complex training stuff, or whether it's the um, the information that the everyday runner can use, motivational yeah. stuff. You know, do hit us up. Let us know what you like, what you want to hear more of. What's that? What's that email address again? KRS, so Kiwi Running Show at tempofit.org. And do check out the website, tempofit.org, to see what's coming up yeah, in show your notes area. And all that. Yeah, so great to have you as always. Look forward to talking to you all next week. Ka kite.